have got a special guest that I want this community to be introduced to. His name is Matt Folsom, and he's a certified master dog trainer who I'm going to read his bio, then I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, and then I'm bringing him on. He has 4.5 million TikTok followers. Put it in perspective, I think we've got like 60 or 70,000, I don't know. I think he's close to a million on YouTube as well. His dogs are really impressive. We've got a couple of videos we're going to share with you. So Matt's known for his science-based positive reinforcement training methods, which he's applied through his training company, The Modern Malinois. And if you've been on TikTok, if you've been on any social media and you're looking at dog training, you would have seen Matt's dogs. And he's really an engaging guy on camera too. So his expertise in training includes socialization techniques, high-level obedience, on-command response, other strategies to help increase security and personal safety for high-level executive and law enforcement professionals. He launched his training company after his friend's experience with a brutal home invasion and is the owner of the most fa famous Malinois puppies in the world. So Matt is, as he said, he doesn't train for competition. He trains for protection and he is a reinforcement based dog trainer. He uses reinforcement in almost every single aspect of his training. And he's working extremely hard to, and that's how we met. He, he reached out to me, said he wanted to jump on a Zoom session, ask me questions about a certain behavior he was having, you know, wanted to think about different approaches. And we've been friends ever since. So Matt, I'm bringing you on. Hello, my friend. How are you? Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am so happy that you're here. And anything I disclose about Matt, you can know that I've been given permission and one of the things that there was this kindred spiritness, obviously I love a, a dog that's animated and loves to do what he's doing. And I love a handler who you can tell that's what they want to do. They want to be training their dog right now. And, and it just shows that there's nowhere else this guy would rather be than training his dog. Sure. Maybe there's others, but I think Matt and I are two of the only that I see that train their dogs live. So hmm. he will, he will sh shoot up a live on TikTok and he'll just do training sessions. And I, when I'm walking my dogs, I, sometimes I'll say, I think this is probably not going to work, but I'm going to try it. And I'll tell, cause I, sometimes I want people to see what happens when you're a reinforcement based dog trainer and it doesn't go well because that's what, when, you know, sometimes it's the important things that people want to see. But one of the things that I like, I've spoke uh, quite common about how I believe my dyslexia has helped me be a better dog trainer. And Matt is autistic. And, you know, that's something that has that helped or affected you in any way as a dog trainer? Do you think, Matt? I think it's really interesting that you have dyslexia and you focus a lot more on shaping behaviors, whereas I focused a lot on luring them. Yes. Uh, you know, I know, you know, dyslexia, people can really visualize three-dimensional space extremely yes. well. I cannot, I close my eyes and I see nothing. I can't visualize anything. I can't see a table. I can't see chairs. What? And so I incorporate, uh, you know, uh, so much luring because I'm not having to visualize it. It's a visceral yeah. feeling. It's something that I'm doing with my body. And while yeah. I do use shaping, I find it much more of a struggle and it doesn't come as naturally to me. And that visualization is, I've always said, is my superpower. Because I've been able to do it since I was like a five-year-old. And I knew that my brain didn't work the same way other people's did. So, yeah. And isn't it amazing like that we just found a way that our dogs can, can really learn. I mean, I mean but I, as I said to you, your luring is not like typical luring. 
because your dogs aren't trying to eat the cookies as they're being <laughs> lured. So what's up with that? Well, I like to give them the, and in the very beginning, I want them to be trained to quote unquote, eat the cookie because I don't want to dampen their spirit. I want them to be excited. So, you know, the first couple of weeks when I have a new puppy, you know, I want them kind of almost biting at the bit. I want them, you know, really excited and uh, don't want to take away any of that enthusiasm that they have. And I would have to say that uh, I probably, you know, you would have to really call it shaping that the way I kind of fade that out, just like I would fade out my lures, um, you know, to where they don't get the treat or the kibble. Cause I, I don't use them treats very often. I mostly just train with their kibble when we're doing luring right. or food-based stuff. Uh, and so, uh, you know, once they have a little bit of space, you know, I, boom, they get the kibble, um, you know, and I also use a lot of, you know, I'm not, it's not just luring. So you're shaping while you're luring. Correct. Correct. Let's, hey, listen, let's show them one of your videos. Can we do that so that they can yeah. see what you're talking about? Which one would you like me to show? Uh, we could, let's let the, the one with the puppy would be, would be okay. perfect. And then I can okay. explain how it, you know, shaping I'm, also right. is involved. This is what you need to know to train your puppy like a working dog. Mealtime is training time. We shape positions by luring them with their kibble because where their head goes, their body will follow. Circles turn into a heel, a down, a sit, a pivot, switch to the other side, all done with luring. That's, that's all. So, so I wanted them to see, like, this isn't just, you know, you think about like grandma luring the cookie like that. We're not talking about your basic luring. Do you ever, does the hand, because I know you make this little gully for your hand. Does that ever become a target rather than a lure? Uh, no, uh, I don't ever use that as a target. Okay. Um, I, uh, so it's always loaded. Well, it's never empty. Yeah, so the, the hand is always loaded. Sometimes I might use it. Uh, you know, I might have something without the, I might, I might you make a movement without the food in it, you know, mm -hmm. kind of almost giving them handler help in a way, but I wouldn't consider my hand to be the target. I would consider that more of like baiting up the lure. Uh, because I'm not, they're not actually following my, you know, my hand per se. Interesting. And so I, like for, at what age are you not luring them anymore? It's really uh, dependent on the dog, but I am, I have not found any issue fading out the lure. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you've got to get rid of the lure so quickly because otherwise they're going to be stuck on it forever. And that has just not been my experience. Uh, I want my dogs to have explosive movement. I want them to be precise. And I really want that to be from the beginning so that we're never right. rehearsing uh, movements that aren't what I want, you know, like with change of positions, you know, I don't want to rehearse having them go into the sit by moving their front paws backwards from the beginning. I want them to yep. do it perfectly. And so, you know, with uh, with one hand on the mouth, you know, luring mm -hmm. and another hand, you know, on their body, I can ensure that they have the exact movement that I want from day one. And, and do, you, uh, do you think that it could be that the the problem fading, obviously Malinois are very driven dogs that love to work, that it is, like I, I say in, in dog agility, you could lure a, a border collie or you could shape them and it's not going to make any difference because they're just so driven to work. Do you think hmm. that has an impact on why you can get away without fading the lure and they still are driven to do it? Oh, no. I mean, I still work on fading the lure tremendously. Oh, okay. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm not worried about that in the, in the beginning. So right. I mean, I, 
you know, it's a really popular thing that if you don't fade the lure, you know, within the first month or two, then they're just going to be stuck on it for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my main philosophy, I don't care how good my puppy is. I care how good my adult dog is. Right. You know, it doesn't matter if I have a dog that's, or it doesn't matter, you know, it's like, you know, for kids athletics, who cares if your 11 year old was on the world championship team, if they can't even make it to a D1 college. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's really cool and it makes for good stories. But at the end of the day, you know, I want to have professionally trained adults, not professionally trained puppies. And exactly. so I'm in it for the end game. And so much of what I have learned is that, you know, I just have to do it on the dog's time. And mm-hmm. that, you know, if they're not ready, they're not ready. And once mm-hmm. they, you know, just having a little bit of maturity, you know, all of a sudden a dog who is, 10 months and is really struggling with certain things. They're 18 months and out of nowhere, it just clicks. I've done nothing different. Maybe I've even worked it less. And they're just like, oh yeah, I've got the maturity. I've got the intelligence. I'm ready to do it now. There's a question. How well does that work on, uh, on rescue dogs and older dogs? I would imagine it Mm. works brilliantly. Wouldn't you? Yes. Yes. Uh, You know, I mean, cause I, my main philosophy is, keeping the dog's instincts intact and really remembering what are they working for? Mm-hmm. You know, they're not working to please me. Then, you know, we have a great relationship, but you know, it's, it's more, they want their kibble. They want their food. They want a ball, a prey item. Right. And, you know, I'm always trying to make it about that, about how they can fulfill their desires to get, you know, based, you know, I get what I want and you get what you want. Right. And, and, uh, and that's to be clear, like you don't just use food that you do use a lot of different reinforcers. And um, so it isn't just that you're creating all these behaviors just with food. You might, you, you might be using a tour a toy in, in the same game. Correct. I, 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 it's a lot harder to lure with the toy. Uh, you have to have a lot of things kind of instilled first, but I do, you know, I do a lot of luring with toys, mostly for the older, you know, when they're, you know, first few months, you know, I want to just uh, work on enjoyment with the toy. I'm way more worried about them learning that uh, I'm not going to just end their fun and take the toy away than trying to lure with it. And so I want to have a bunch of rules and kind of a relationship established before we ever try to lure with the toy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just such a nuance that gets missed is that it is all about the relationship at the end. Mm. Like if the, if when you put your, like I I've seen you with your dogs, if you put your food away, your dogs are still going to be there with you, right? That it isn't about the food. It isn't about the toy. It's about that relationship that you're creating. And, and that's just a vector to get you there. Yeah. Like when I brought Alexandra home, my, my female, you know, we, the only thing we really did with the toy in the beginning was, you know, get her used. Like we would go out, we would do some food training or go out and just go for a walk. We would come in the house and I would have a toy available and I would just sit on the floor waiting for her to become comfortable sitting by me with the toy. Uh, And then once she became comfortable with that, comfortable touching me, learning that, hey, he's not going to try to take this away. He's not going to try to end my fun. Uh, And, you know, I have all these little sneaky games or sneaky little tricks that I play on her for when it's time to go up and the toy has to go away so that she doesn't think that I'm taking the toy away. It just kind of magically vanishes. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I spent all this time just to get to the point of her letting the toy go so that I can throw it to get to that mindset of, oh, when I give him the toy, 
we restart this fund, we restart this game. Uh, and so I guess in a way, you know, that is shaped, you know, that kind of, sure. you know, behavior is, you know, over slowly over time, you know, I'm using approximations to get to that, mm -hmm. that relationship mm -hmm. status. So Carla asked, does this mean Susan's going to be using more luring in her training? No, not at all. It means Susan can have respect for trainers who don't do the same thing she does. I just, you know, I, I just have, the utmost respect for what Matt can do with his dogs. And we're doing different things. For me, I don't want my puppies to move fast because I want them to move intentionally to learn how to move from their back end because back end is the most important part of jumping. And so mm. that's really, and my, my puppies do move fast. That's built into the shaping process, but there's, you know, it's what is important or what I'm looking for, but I'm not, I, I'm never going to say never. The main reason I stopped luring anything is because it was an easy thing to do badly. And so when you're shaping badly, you're not going to end up with the right behavior. You're always going to end up with the right behavior when you're luring. But the problem is, if you're not luring correctly, you're not going to end up with the right relationship. Mm. And so for teaching every breed of dog and every motivation level of dog, I needed a to be able to systematize training that I could get the predicted relationship because that's at the end of the day, all that any of us want. And so I think it's super important for people to realize, and this was a great comment from Steve White. I don't know if you know Steve White, but him and I have been chatting. He said, what I've learned is the methodology of the training matters very little compared to the skill of the trainer. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. It's important to be aware of what is happening when you're luring, like a biggest part of dog training is that dopamine release. We want our dogs to, to get when we're training with them. And so where, where does the negative predictive prediction error happen with a lure? And that's the, the problem with a lot of dogs that have been lure trained badly is they're not motivated. Hmm. And so, and it's true of shaping too. I mean, it's just that they don't know when that clicks coming. So it's, it's more of a dopamine hit than the lure when, when the cookies are gone. So fascinating stuff. Okay. You also are going to breed a litter of puppies this year. Are you not? This is the year of the puppy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited that, you know, all of my social media accounts, the only thing the only reason I even have them is so that I can, uh, basically be an advertising arm for my breeding program because I Thank love training dogs more than anything else. And I'm not, I'm not becoming a breeder because I want to sell dogs. I'm becoming a breeder because I want to train as many of the best world-class dogs as I can every single day. And the only way I can think to have the best dogs is to breed them myself. And uh, so, you know, I'm all of a sudden going to, Probably, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we had, say, eight puppies in the litter and I just decided, you know what, they are all good enough to be fully trained. So I'm not selling any of them as a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll foster one for you for a little while. How's that? <laughs> oh, that's that is so awesome. And have you even thought about what you're going to be doing at what time with those puppies? You know, for me, every time, I mean, I know this is going to sound blasphemous to a lot of people, but every time I've ever tried to come up with a training schedule, come up with, you know, I want to have this done at 10 months, this done at nine months, it just 
completely crumbles. Uh, one, because, you know, all of a sudden I'm trying to put things on my time frame and not on the dog's time frame. Uh, but then two, it just kind of takes the fun out of it for me. And, you know, mm. I just, I don't like to think about it. I, I like it to be more, you know, spontaneous. I want it to be in the moment and I want, you know, my, uh, you know, I just want to kind of go off of my gut and, you know, experience the dog, you know, that day, what do we need to bring? Not that I'm not thinking about long-term goals or I am really not one of those people that, you know, I, I've at times created, ex, you know, extravagant Excel spreadsheets for everything I want my dogs to know. And then I don't look at it for six months. I for, completely, for, you know, within a week, I just totally forget about it. And so, oh, um, you know, I, I love dog training more than anything in the entire world. And, you know, I, I don't need that extra. They, to me, that just kind of bogs it down. It kind of takes away some of the fun. And I just want to wake up and just be super excited. I want to go to sleep, you know, thinking that I can't wait till I get to wake up and train more. And so that's, you know, another reason I want to be a breeder is like, I only have four dogs. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I could like train them all to exhaustion in 90 minutes. And then what do I do? That's awesome. And so, you know, like I, I want more dogs to train. I just, I really want to just have my life so that I don't do anything but train dogs. I don't go shopping. I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't even shoot videos anymore. Just like That's kind of way my life is. I either train dogs or talk <laughs> about training dogs or plan for training dogs. And that's it. I don't, I rarely drive a car anymore. It's yeah. I've, I've become a dog hermit is what I've become. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm on 40 the... acres in Oregon. So like, I can't see anybody when I walk out the door, you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what is the biggest misconception people have about either you or your training? Whatever one of those questions is easiest. I, uh, you know, I, I think probably the biggest misconception about me would be, uh, very similar to the just really a misconception about everybody is that we're not changing. We're not evolving. We're not improving. Um, you know, you can look at videos that I did, say, you know, two, two and a half years ago, and you can see a prong collar on my dogs. Mm -hmm. And so people will think, oh, well, Matt, all he does is compulsion because they see a video that I put out two years ago. And, you know, they don't realize that I am always trying to improve. I am always trying to become a better dog trainer, you know, looking at my old videos. If I can't look at last year's videos and find at least five things wrong with what I was doing, then I'm not working hard enough to improve as a dog trainer. I always want to be improving. Um, and so, you know, it's, you know, things like that, you know, just for instance, Alexandra and Magnus, my two youngest, have never had a prong collar on them. Ulrich hasn't had a prong collar on them in probably two years. Um, and so, you know, I'm Good not going to be, I'm not teaching the same things that I did two years ago or teaching them in the same ways, you know, as I am today. That's the fun. That's what keeps the game fun for me is to always be experimenting with the the foundations um, the what I'm training, when I'm putting on mm. what and how I can break down one thing and create more certainty for the dogs around that one thing before I inject it into a series or a sequence. I want to share that last video with uh, with everyone. And it, it's Ulrich, isn't it? The remote, remote yes. control. Okay, so let's see this. This is like I'm one of my throw the ball and let him have it. But watch when I out him how he stays with it and can still take commands. Puck. Us. Upo. Couche. Upo. Ah, see. Upo. Couche. Puck. Couche. Give it out. Upo. Give it out. Couche. 
Où pas Coucher Qui blot Où pas Ah, si Où pas Coucher Où pas Pac Oh That's how a poop-up do That is how a poop-up do That's that's awesome. That is if Swagger was a Malinois. So my red boy Swagger, <laughs> he plays that game. It is his favorite game is if you will let him like throw a toy and let him do a million behaviors before he can get mm. it. Like, what is it that makes them love that so much? It's crazy, um, but it's great. It's just a great demonstration of, of self-control on the dog, but also relationship. So and it's, it's been yeah. that's an everyday occurrence. You know, I think I, a lot of people assume that, you know, videos like that are, you know, we're doing 100 takes and just hoping to get that one take. And, no. you know, a couple months ago, I had a couple of dog trainers in the area ask me if we could get together. And I brought all work and I basically did that exact same little, you know, I just threw the ball out in the field and, and yeah. then, you know, had him out at about 100 feet away and then said all these commands and and they were just like, wait, that you can actually just do that anywhere, anytime. I'm like, well, Yeah. <laughs> It's not smoke and mirrors. I mean, unfortunately, there are, a lot of trainers are smoke and mirrors, but um, true that. But they're not training live either. Uh, no, yeah. That, no, and we recently on a, on, a, on one of my YouTube lives recently did uh, bite work live, and you know people you know got to see you know me doing bite work right there live. You know, there's no do overs. You know, and uh, not once that he just decide not to out. Um, mm. You know, I like to push the barrier. You know, I one of the things that I probably do different than some people is I don't always want my dogs to be fully in obedience. So if you watch that live, I was fine with him kind of inching a little bit, doing this, doing that, where it wasn't a hundred percent. Because if I really want to push the boundaries on certain variables, I have to let other variables go just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, the dog is deciding how hard he's going to bite. And if he's not loving this, if he's not almost kind of like, just enough, you know, I'm going to have a lackluster performance from him. I'm reading the comments and a lot of people are saying, wow, about that game. And we teach that game in our recallers program. We call it the wow game just for that reason. Mm. Because when people see a dog be that, have that kind of push button control from a distance and like Swagger is 12. It's his favorite game. Loves it every day. It's still, I, I just, I think that with dogs, we're giving them the opportunity to know there's the, the, what I talked about, the negative prediction error for the dopamine release, because they don't know what behavior gets the ball. Mm. And, and that's what keeps growing and growing that Matt and I could talk for hours and we often do Matt, a thank you for doing this. And I hope you all um, could see the brilliance and that good dog training and good dog trainers. It's just, so inspiring to be around them and to be watching them. So go over and, and if you are not subscribed to Matt's page, go and watch his page and watch him train. And it doesn't matter that he doesn't train exactly the same way we do. He is somebody who's always progressing his training. And, uh, and I just, yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you Thank for you being here. Thank you very much here. for having me. Okay. We'll see you soon, Matt. Cheers. Bye-bye.